Hello and welcome to Over the Rainbow. This is Bob, your host, and today we have a very special guest, Dr. Gigi Langer. She wrote 50 Ways to Worry Less Now, and here she is to tell you more about that book. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Gigi, and I am a person in long-term recovery, uh, but I've also struggled with lots of other issues, uh, chronic pain, codependency, um, of course, addiction, um, perfectionism, overthinking, et cetera, et cetera. So over about 30 years, I have thought out different ways to help my own uh, worry mode, shall I call it, by uh, what I call the whispered lies that go on in my head that are trying to tell me negative things about myself and other people. And so over the years, I've sought out different tools and um, the reason I wrote the book was because I thought, well, what if people in uh, who struggle with worry and who may not be in recovery or even are in recovery or are pondering it, um, I thought, what if I could write and share all these tools I've learned, and some of them are spiritual, some are cognitive, some are energy work things, 50 of them, of course. Um, to help people um, find ways to uh, reduce their negative thinking. And so I'm a former teacher, um, and I, you know, at first I started out writing a memoir because I'm retired and I'd have, you know, I've had, um, I'm in my fourth marriage. I don't have children. I couldn't stay married long enough to have children. <laughs> and I've been married happily for, for 30 years <laughs> But my husband suggested instead of writing a memoir, why don't you write down those things I hear you telling your people that you sponsor in 12-step programs. And that's when Worry Last Now became a self-help book. I don't know if you know my background, uh, if you had a chance to listen to any of it. Uh, I, I, saw, I looked a yeah. little, but our internet's down today, and, and okay. I did look before. But yeah, I'd love to hear more. Yeah, I just uh, suffered from the... Major depression, anxiety, OCD, ADHD, and dyslexia. So I got a whole banquet of problems that I've been dealing with for <laughs> over banquet. fifty, yeah, over fifty years. And one of the biggest problems I have is worrying. All I do, I seem to worry about everything. I have three children. They're not children. They're thirty, six, thirty four, and twenty nine. But I I, I have a tendency to over worry. So, just sure. like in in your best, um, what would you be your best answer to a person like me? Um, that we can change our outlook from a negative, hypersensitive, oh my god, living in the wreckage of our future, regretting our past. We can change that through a variety of tools. It takes consistent practice and work and sometimes therapy. Uh, but we can change how we think. We can change those negative neural pathways in the brain. We can bring to bear spiritual tools if that appeals to us. Um, energy work, like tapping or EMDR. We mm -hmm. can change how we think about things and how we see the world from a negative to a more positive. Now, it doesn't mean that we'll never be negative. 
or afraid or depressed or worried, it means that when we are experiencing that, number one, we're aware enough to tell ourselves, oh my God, look at that, I'm scaring myself with my thoughts. And then two, okay, what strategies can I use to help myself through this? In my background, I have gone to CODA, Codependence Anonymous. I found it to be mm -hmm. an excellent tool. Uh, it's, yeah. not, it's not a cure, but it, it, I think it, it helps. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been going lately. Maybe I should probably go back. Um, I do use some mechanisms like when I start thinking negatively, I think of a stop sign and then yeah. try to stop the thought. Yeah, and mm -hmm. sometimes that gets really hard, but a lot of times I can actually stop the thought and go back to a more pleasant thought. So oh, that's uh, fabulous. those are the yeah. techniques I try to use. But when I'm at the airport, it's like, oh, my God, I can't stand this. You know, all, all these people, all this confusion. Because I yeah. have ADD, so it becomes a huge problem. Um and I listened to one thing I was interested in was your chapter on like meditation. Um, mm -hmm. My problem with meditation is I just can't do it. I don't know if you have any, yeah. any, uh, yeah. cause I tried and I can't stop the thoughts in my head. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you're, I think a lot of us think that we're not supposed to have, you know, only the only good meditation that works, quote unquote, this is what we tell ourselves, is that um, the meditation where I'm sitting and no thoughts occur. And uh, through the reading, because everything in the book I did a little bit of research on to make sure it was something that was supported by science or other testimonies, so to speak. Um, but on meditation, the research is very clear that it doesn't require that you empty your mind of all thoughts. It is a practice in the literal sense of the term, practicing, noticing when we're thinking, regardless of what we're thinking about, and then focusing on a constant uh, something else that's a little more peaceful. So it might be breathing or it might be a mantra like Deepak Chopra uses. Mm -hmm. I still struggle with, you know, like you try to turn on the music and meditate to that and my thoughts just keep going off. What they say uh, is that it doesn't matter how often our thoughts go off. It's the practice at taking a thought that's running away and bringing it back to a central place that we've chosen as a more positive focus. Mm -hmm. So that gave me hope. Okay, I don't need to be doing it perfectly because another thing I suffer with is perfectionism. It's like, okay... It, there is no measuring stick on that. It is the practice at noticing my thoughts and bringing them to a different place, a place that's better for me. And whether that I have to do that 100 times a minute or 10 times a minute, there is no scorecard, I will benefit. I'll have to try that again. If you were to tell that you say 50 ways, um, mm -hmm. could you say what the top five might be? Sure. That'd be great. Uh, and let me, yeah, let me put um, one of the, I would say number one would be meditation, but not in the way that we might misconstrue it, like I just explained. Um, I really like guided 
meditations because that keeps my mind focused on the speaker who is leading me along a path that's, uh, you know, I might stray, but that voice is there to bring me back and remind me to come back. So uh, even if it's a 10-minute or a 20-minute, so of course we have now these wonderful apps on our phones. Uh, my favorite is Insight Timer, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, mm-hmm. Timer. And um, it's very cool. You can pick a 10-minute one or five-minute one. You can pick any topic. So if there's a day that I'm feeling so focused on pain in my body, I can choose a meditation that applies to that. And then, you know, usually I lie down. The other thing is you don't have to sit in the lotus position. (laughs) You know, you can lie down, you can recline. Yeah, yeah. So these rules that people have put on... um, Really, uh, the whole point is to kind of let go of the rules and the judging and the controlling and just allow ourselves to focus on one thing, which is a huge relief for our brain. And uh, I did take an eight-week course just because I'm like you. I have a very overactive mind. I'm a highly sensitive person. I have struggled with anxiety. And um, there's a course that's science-based in... uh, it was developed at University of Massachusetts Medical Center, mm-hmm. and the guy's name is pretty well known, John Cabot, K-A-B-A-T, mm-hmm. Zinn, Z-I-N-N, and it's called Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, and it's an eight-week course. Uh, it's offered all over the world because they've been training trainers forever, and because it's centered in a medical center, they've gathered huge amounts of data on it, and it it's very, very impressive in terms of trauma, stress, depression, et cetera, et cetera. So that would be my number one. Not that you have to go to a training like mindfulness-based stress reduction, but I did because I knew I had, I needed training. You know. Yeah, uh, so that would I be mean, the number one. I, I might benefit yeah. from getting some kind of uh, coach or someone who could lead yeah. me in into a real type of meditation um i yeah i my kids always tell me i worry i worry because i have three yeah. kids so and i have four grandchildren sure. so you know i do oh, worry wonderful yeah yep so is there a number two uh yeah there was something i wanted to say oh about the meditation okay you might think okay Gigi's this expert she does this every day perfectly blah 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 not true so You know, if I do my meditation three times a day, I mean, I'll always do something like, say, a prayer because that works for me uh, even before this podcast. So that would if that would be my second actual tool if if it appeals to people. Now, for me, prayer does not require that I understand 100 percent what it is I'm praying to. Um, Actually, in my book, in Chapter three, I offer a bunch of different ways to think about what they call a higher power mm-hmm. uh, that does not in, does not include just spiritual terms. I like a neutral term like true self, you know, right. the, the wise central self or heart-centered right. self. Anyway, so praying uh, to that part of myself or the universe that is bigger than fear, and that's the key thing, this thing that I believe in or trust or call on, um, is wiser than I am, 
Um, yeah, it's funny and, that you say that because uh, that's exactly what I do. I'm not a religious person at all, but uh-huh. I I've always had a contact. I, it seemed to a higher power, and if I'm in a rough situation, I say you know a short prayer. And, you know, most of the times it seems to work. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I, I don't really believe in the afterlife or anything like that, but mm-hmm. I, there seems to be a power that you can tap into in the universe somewhere. And uh, that's the way it seems to me. I, I Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But I'm telling you, it works for me. I don't know if it could work for everybody, but you know, there are, there, yeah. there are my son is actually a pastor, so he's a firm oh. believer in a, in a, a non-denominational Christian, born again, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't affect our relationship. But everybody yeah. does it kind of in their own way, so, right? Um, right. So and you're that's that would be number two then. Yeah, and I um, in my well. I'll just say, in my book, I have, of course, the 50 tools, but they're wrapped around stories of my of how I discovered them, and also in four main chapters about these are the four life strategies that a person needs to stop worrying and right. stop negative thinking. And one of them is honesty, of course. I have to be honest with myself. I can't stay in denial. I can't blame it. I have to take responsibility, right? The second one is, you know, claiming some kind of a power greater than my fear. So that was prayer. The third one is making choices. Um, And I might place that as the third, because um, I have the power to choose what I think, my desired future, and my actions. Well, how do you you fight against you know, reality, like, uh, like just getting prepared for this broadcast. I'm all like a bundle of nerves types of thing. I mean, usually mm-hmm. that helps me. Somehow the mm-hmm. adrenaline goes through me and, uh, and I'm fine. But yeah. there are just situations, um, like if my children are traveling or on an airplane in the rain, you know, things like that, you just have a tendency to worry about that you can't control. And, I guess that's the thing that I I have a hard time uh, stopping. Uh, So, yeah, that's where you say to yourself, oh, my gosh, look at me. I'm worrying. I'm tense. That's the honesty part. Okay, there's a power. There's some power wiser than this fear, bigger than this fear that I can tap into. And the choice becomes, and that's the the third uh, strategy, is, okay, I'm going to choose to move myself out of this fear state. And then I'm going to choose to uh, do the work to use strategies to get my head screwed on straight again. Right. Okay. So that chapter on choice is Mm -hmm. I have a lot of the um, law of attraction stuff because, and I illustrate how, can you imagine how terrified I was to write a book like this? You read it. There's a lot of self-disclosure and honesty and sharing my, Yeah, it's a you good know, book. I, I mean, I read it. I didn't read it because I, I have ADD dyslexia. Yeah. I did the audio uh-huh. version. Yeah. But the point is that 
you can imagine how scary it was to do that. So it's not like we're never scared. It's, okay, gee, I'm scared. Okay, there's something I can tap into that's bigger than my fear. I'm going to choose to believe that I can write this book. I can choose to believe that the book will benefit people. Well, how am I going to put into practice tools that will help? I used a vision board, which is in the uh, companion PDF, if you were able to look at I that. I didn't get a chance to look at that. Yeah, I'm sorry. But there's a picture. Yeah, there's a picture of my vision board in there. And there's the book contains exercises that are all in the companion PDF. Of course, the book's available in a paperback and in an ebook. But, um, you know, it takes work. It took work for me. Even sitting here at my desk, I have an affirmation that, um, and I all, it teaches you how to state an affirmation in a positive way. But one of my first ones was, um, I read wonderful, I write a wonderful book in a wonderful way. I offer wonderful service for wonderful pay. Okay. Well, the other thing with choice is, I'm going to use strategies that are going to fill my brain up with good stuff rather than the stuff my brain wants to generate from my past. You know, that's all repetition of Mm -hmm. former fears. It's not anything real, really. Um, So I would say making a conscious, tough choice to enlist the power greater than our fear and to do the practices to bring that to bear on our fear so that it doesn't limit us. Okay, we're going to have it, but the choice is what do I do with it once I know it's there. Now, I'm not saying I can dissipate it immediately. To write Chapter 5 about a lot of the drama that happened in my life, I went to an energy worker, I upped my prayer, I upped my 12-step meetings. I mean, to face a big fear takes a lot of work, a lot of spiritual or energetic or cognitive or all three work. Right, right. Yeah. Do do you, uh, I I forgot if you went into any medication, because I have to take it, and if I don't take it, I go Uh, into a depression. Yes, Uh, yes. Did you Um, talk about medication at all? I did not talk about it in my book, because I didn't want to put that out there as a controversial thing. Okay. Uh, The truth is that... um, After about 20 years of recovery, working every spiritual tool I had, therapy, blah, 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 uh, because there was some PTSD, I had this constant hypervigilance and anxiety Mm -hmm. and tension in my body. I had a lot of chronic pain and so on. And eventually, my doctor said, well, what if we tried you on a low dose of Zoloft? (laughs) And, you know, it it took the volume knob of my anxiety and negative thoughts and just turned it down enough. And it didn't, it doesn't dull me out. I still use my practices. It's not a panacea, but it helps lower the volume, I would say, of the fear. Yeah, well, yeah, it was a lifesaver for me because I had, back in 91, I go back to Farm 61, I had a super, super... I mean, I can't even describe it, uh, anxiety attack. And I right. had no idea what was going on. And one of the reasons I'm doing oh. this type of broadcast is so people know what's going on. Because I thought I was going to feel that way for the rest of my life. And I, yeah. you know, I was in a, that made it worse and it built on itself. So 
they brought me out through the medication. Um, a lot of what I have, I think, is inherited. My mother and father had had issues. Yep. My children have a lot of anxiety issues. My ex-wife had anxiety. That's probably another reason. And my middle son, he didn't want to take medicine for the longest time, but he finally got to a point where he was having, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and having anxiety attacks and stuff. So I yep. told him, give it a try, see if it works. And and for him, it, it seems to work pretty good. But, right. but I say a, a lot of times in the show that I'm not telling anyone, you know, what they should do to to help themselves because it's different, I right. think, for anyone. Right. But Yeah, you mentioned the genetic part. Yes. And um, one of the things I put in my book because it helped me so much was all this research on what's called the highly sensitive person. A lot of people now are using the word empath, but that really has, I think, a, a different meaning than the this woman who did the research on the highly sensitive person, which is probably who you are and I am. And oh, one yeah. out of five people, one out of five people is a highly sensitive person. But when growing up, what did I do? I couldn't figure out why I was so what I called high maintenance. Mm -hmm. I was considered overly sensitive. So I hid it all, right? I hid it all and pretended to be like everyone else. And of course, the stress and the tension and everything uh, built up and I started using drugs and alcohol and sex to deal with it. Well, that's that's one of my points about, um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the second episode about home oh, and the yellow brick no. road where no i didn't where dorothy comes to the path and i won't go on too long about this but she comes to the path and one way is to go to alcohol and what i call self-medication and sometimes i call mm -hmm. it cutting because there are oh, people good. that actually cut themselves so yep. i see that as extreme but mm -hmm. most people that i run into would rather do that than explore medication or explore counseling. So, yep. Yep. I mean, what, what can you tell these people? Uh, yep. Uh, how I, can, I don't I know how to, know. <laughs> you know, well, you know, from going to CODA and, um, and I also, even though I attend the AA, you know, 12 step program because I am a recovering addict, I've been sober and clean for 34 years. I also, I thank you. I also attend Al Anon because um, oh, chapter six in the book was when my husband, after 30 years, started drinking again and oh, how yeah, I, I read, dealt with I, that. I heard that. Part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, thank God things are fine now. But um, the. You know, the, the worry about other people and that whole journey of letting go. Um, I, first point I make in the story, and that might be, you asked for four, but I'm saving one for you. Okay, but this good. might be the next one is, um, joining with other people who have conquered or are conquering the problem that you're dealing with. Because like you and I said, that, quote, higher power thing or wisdom or whatever it is, at first, when I walk into a support group or meeting or group therapy, I don't believe that that 
I don't believe anything can help me, right? But I'm so desperate. I'm walking into a place where other people have been helped with it. And my experiences in most of those, especially the 12-step-based ones, but I wouldn't say those are the only ones, there is a, a, an energy of care and love, mm-hmm. 99.9%. You'll, you'll run into the occasional asshole, but in general, mm-hmm. staying with people, if you stay with people who have no romantic appeal to you, you'll find and make friends who are farther down the path than you. And that way, when the shit hits a fan inside my brain, I can pick up the phone or text or listen to a podcast like, you know, you're offering. I can fill my brain with something different, but I don't have to do it alone. I can join with other people. Mm -hmm. And I, I really, I don't believe that a person needs at least a counselor Nice. And ideally, uh, eventually, some other recovering from whatever it is, friends who are having success. Yeah, I had a very good friend that lost her father at a young age. She oh. was she was up forty five when her father died, and she mm-hmm. never got over it. And she wouldn't go to counseling. Mm. She wouldn't do anything except drink. So, yep. my other friend, the husband, would find bottles all over the house. Oh, she said, she's going to quit. I'm going to quit. She smoked as well. Well, one day, uh, she's 49 years old. She has a brain hemorrhage from, from oh, drinking, no. and she dies. So, oh, wow. I mean, that the choices that people make is that there's this big stigma that you can't try to do other things rather than drinking and, you know, that quick fix. A lot of people don't, right. they don't, people don't want to admit they have the problem. They're ashamed. And yeah, that's why I, yeah, that's why I started with honesty, you know, and mm-hmm. then, um, I don't have to figure this out on my own. There's a power sometimes through people and other ways I can find that power. Then I have to choose. There's got to be a different way. I want to be a happy person. I'm willing to do the work to get there as hard as that might be. I am not stuck you know, feeling as awful about myself as I do right now. Right. And then um, joining with other people. And actually, the next one I was going to mention was, um, I'm just, I use the generic term, you know, honesty, power, choices. And then you have to use uh, what I call growth tools or growth practices. In other words, I need to fill my head and my heart and my mind (laughs) with, um, Strategies that dissolve my negativity and bring in more positive, loving thoughts. Mm-hmm. So the image I have for that is that there's this, uh, I have it as a female image, but you know that there's a prayer called, make me a channel of your peace. I haven't heard that. So if you, yeah, if you imagine the, this woman with this light trying to come in through you know, some people think it comes in through the crown chakra. I don't know what I know about that, but I know there is a power and a light and a goodness that tries, that is already in us and is trying to get into us to dissolve, to dissolve whatever is blocking that, our essential light from shining, our true self. So these practices dissolve the blockages. If you see the person like the before picture, the heart and all the light places are all blocked up with these rocks of self 
hatred and judgment and blame and so, 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 and that's what's driving the bus. And the practices that we use dissolve little by little those blockages and allow us, and that's why I called the book that you find peace. We find peace of mind no matter what's going on because we're living from our true self. Uh, we, we find clarity. What is it I'm supposed to be here for? What am I, you know, what's the best way to do things in this? And then connection. We find connection with other people like you and I are. Yeah. So those are the, you know, the benefits of getting clear, getting clear and living from our true self. But it takes work to dissolve all those whispered lies and the blockages yeah. and yeah, all of that. I mean, and my biggest problem of all the problems if somebody asked me, what do you want to get rid of? I would say ADHD. Because, mm. be, because it causes, uh, I can't really relate to other people that well. I, I, I have a tendency to interrupt them and, and, ah. you know, not listen unless my brain mm-hmm. thinks it's important. It's almost like I'm, my brain is kind of like on automatic pilot and, it gets me in a lot of trouble, and and mm-hmm. I have a fear. I really do have a fear of talking to people. Believe it or not, I I have this fear that was developed as a child when both my brothers were superstars. Literally, my mm-hmm. my one brother was a high school star. They won the state championship, and the other brother was a genius who got a fifty ninety on a sixteen hundred. And here I'm sitting with ADD, I could barely talk. And mm. when I sat at the table, I, I, I was like not there. So it, it, yep. it, it did, that was the trauma part of my, my problem. But, mm-hmm. but if, if I could think better, I guess you could say, and I, and I, I know it's from the ADHD because I've done so much research on it. I think I could get along with people a lot better, but I just, and, you know, I do have negative qualities, but it just, this problem, this, this barrier, even if I go to a store and mm-hmm. I'm just like overwhelmed with a supermarket. Like yeah. I, I can't focus. Yes. Yeah. So, so is so, there anything that yeah. I could do to help yeah. myself? So, you know, that, um, her name is Dr. A-R-O-N, who does the research on the highly sensitive person, um, she actually teaches people how to take care of themselves. So uh, let's say I know for me, it's not a grocery store. It's um, politics on the TV, regardless of which side it's on. I immediately get tense. I have some old history things about politics and so on that the the question for me first would be is this quote trainable can i can i change this in myself okay uh, not through thinking about it or learning about it which helps a little bit but through practice i would go into a grocery store and feel that craziness that would come upon me I might say, fine, I know that about myself. And what I'll do next time is to, you know, come in 11 p.m. when there are fewer people or less stimulation. So 
I first mm-hmm. had to embrace mm-hmm. the fact that one out of five people is a highly sensitive person. I'm one of them. And the research actually, yeah, the research actually shows, says that in a lot of societies, one out of five people are like this. And the people who, like you and I, are learning to harness and tame and mold into a force for goodness, our own sensitivity, those people become the, the sages and the advisors in those cultures. So being a highly sensitive person mm. is a gift. And yet, because of our culture and so on, you know, I can feel like a, a outcast so easily. So first, it's like, oh, there is a good thing about this. That's <laughs> funny that you, you said outcast. Um, I, I've always been pushing. There's a, he, he's Believe it or not, he's a rapper. But everything he raps about or says has to do with mental illness and how he's feeling, and he puts mm. it in such elegant words. And one of his songs is Outcast. He goes, oh. well, I'll just be an outcast. You know, he's accept- mm-hmm. You know, he, he's accepting it. He's saying, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I'll be the outcast. I have no problem with that. Yeah. You know, I would, I would dare say that um, one of the reasons that, I don't know if I can say this for sure, but I would say, a high, high majority of people who end up with various kinds of addictions, whether it's a sex addiction, spending, gambling, alcohol, drugs, uh, whatever, overwork, uh, I'd say a large proportion are highly sensitive people who suffer from anxiety and have been self-medicating. And we all probably need uh, medication to some extent at least for a while, and therapy and a group in which to grow using these kinds of steps. Yeah. I got to get honest about it. I got to own it. There's That's a power it. bigger than me that can help me uh, use this as a strength. I just need to learn to how to manage myself like a very, like I would a, a tender child who's very sensitive. Right. And, 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 and that's mm. the road less traveled yeah. that, you know, people don't go on. When they come to the, the fork, they say, hmm, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. Uh, let me just have a couple of drinks. Or you're juice you're right. Or, and and you're that's right. the that's me- message very, I'm trying to get um, out. And there's it, nothing we can do about that directly to change an individual. However, putting out like what we're doing here, that there is another possibility. We've done it. You've done it. I've done it. We know hundreds and thousands of people who have managed to put together a very happy, content life with occasional bumps like all lives, but the ability to handle them, whether it's ugly Mm -hmm. or not, we've figured out how to live in this world without numbing ourselves and to be pretty darn happy given how our makeup is <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i have a lot of happy times now i just haven't figured out work i mean i have about four more years so i could retire uh i work in a high stress it job and it's it's very difficult yep. and i haven't figured that one out but when i'm not working mm-hmm. you know i do things like this i do other things uh 
you know, I'm I'm pretty much a happy person when I'm not working. I just can't well, figure out that last piece. Yeah, one of the most transformational tools I ran into, and I put it in um, in chapter six when my husband was drinking, is called radical forgiveness. And there's a radical forgiveness dot. I think it's dot com. It might need dot org. Radical forgiveness. And this guy, Colin Tipping, who has um, passed away now, he gives away a lot of free stuff and, um, and he has a book. But basically he offers these worksheets and it, it takes a situation uh, and you can just download the worksheet and it takes for the situation in my case was, you know, my husband's drinking. I can't be happy. In yours, it might be, you know, my job is too high stress. I can't, how can I find a peaceful way of being in it? And um, then it works you through this whole process. But his basic belief, and I think it's, it rings true to me, but who knows about these big metaphysical questions. But if you, if you do send, if you could sure. send me that uh, link, uh, I'll I put sure it will. up on the um, episode. I'll send you the Aaron highly sensitive people too. Anyway, he, his take would be, okay, uh, yeah. Bob, you're in that job for a reason. You have grown so much so far, and now you've got the life challenge that, and I don't know that I buy this a hundred percent, but it's kind of a logical thing. When you <laughs> came down to be here on earth, you knew that you needed to grow as a soul a certain way and that this your physical makeup and genetic makeup and now even though you've overcome so much this job is the next kind of um i would call it a spiritual frontier for growth and it it's absolutely in perfect order it's meant to be it's the next layer and when i encounter a next layer and i do talk about this a lot in chapter five i kick and scream and resist, and hate it, and complain, and it, it's just like that person standing at the fork in the road, isn't it, Bob? That we're, we know it's awful, but yeah. we're not quite ready, and actually, we don't know exactly what to do, except the one thing we do know is to take that first step on the opposite path, which really is the step of surrender. It's the step saying, if I keep stepping in the direction I am with all my negativity and self-sabotage, blah, 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 I'm not going to get anywhere. Okay, let me just say, help me to make this different. Help me to see this differently. And I have a lot about A Course in Miracles in my book because I find that a very useful um, mm -hmm. spiritual teaching, but what it says is when we reject the ego and all its lies and we move toward love, care, higher power, whatever, even if we don't know what's going to happen, we're just saying, look, help me, just like you and I did to beat addiction. Help, help me with how I'm seeing this. And I have been known, I had horrible perfectionism at work. And I, wrote, I wrote out the first step on my work stress, you know, I'm powerless over this. It makes my life unmanageable in these ways. I've tried to change it this and this. It hasn't worked. Number two, I guess there's a power greater than me that's going to have to help me with this, you know, because I certainly feel insane. And the third step, right. and then I work it through with a sponsor or a therapist or whatever, 
And then I do as many tools as I can. And I did want to share one last tool that might work with that situation. So um, let's say the whispered lie is, and I'll use when I was working, I can't stand the stress in this place. It's killing me. Or it's, I I can't stand it anymore. It's hurting me. Um, Okay, that's, oh, and the other piece of it is, and I can't do anything about it, right? Is there an element of feeling somewhat trapped? Okay, so that's, yeah, so that's the whispered lie I'm telling myself. I can't stand this. I'm trapped. I can't change it. I'm a victim, right? So, yeah. So even though intellectually we know that's BS, it's what our old neural pathways, which were ground in early on when we were victimized by other things, um, they get triggered by that uh, current workplace situation. So I have a lot of stuff in there about thought replacement. So I identify the whispered lie, and there's another technique that's too big to go into here, but I'll send you the um, link. So... Um, in that case, what I might do is I might notice, oh, there's that whispered lie I'm telling myself, and I'm pissed off and I'm angry. Okay, uh, is that really true? Is it true that I'm trapped and I can't leave this job? Well, yes, it is. I can't, you know, I've got to have the money. I've got to, well, is it really 100% true? Well, I suppose there might be other options. See, and there we're opening it up. We're opening it up a little bit yeah. away from our ego and our need for t- control into an, a higher power, a higher self uh, place. Yeah, the, the artist just says, uh, if you don't like your job, what are you doing it for? Yeah, well, there's a long journey between knowing that and actually having something change, in my experience. So mm-hmm. uh, she also, this is Byron Katie, it's not the only technique, almost uh, any technique can work, and I'll share another one in a minute. But Byron Katie would say then, what could my life be like if I didn't hold this thought, this whispered lie? You know, I can't survive in this environment. Things have to change in my work environment for me to be happy, right? That's the whispered lie. Mm-hmm. So then she teaches you these turnarounds. Well, things should not change in my environment for me to be happy. How might that be true or truer? Oh, well, if they don't change and I'm still so miserable, I'm going to have to really work my ass off spiritually. And ultimately, just Mm -hmm. like my addiction, that might be a good thing. So that could be true. So it's starting to loosen up the soil around this whispered lie. So the the other simpler technique, and and I'll send you the link, that work, that link about that technique with Byron Katie is called The Work. Right. But anyway, yeah, and I have examples. I actually worked through a whole example in the book, and she gave me permission to put it in the book because it was accurate. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the simplest one I know, and you might have heard of it, is called The Golden Key, and it's based on um, Emmett Fox, who wrote uh, Sermon on the Mount. So his is the simplest thing. I notice I'm thinking, oh, God, I can't stand it here. I'm trapped or whatever. And then I just switch my thought away from the fear thought and toward, and he suggests you think about God. But if you're not a God person, you can think about anything that that's good. And some people think about a gratitude list even. So 
think mm-hmm. of, you know, my mind is over here worrying and I notice it and I say, I'm going to change my thought. I'm going to think about, and he would say, okay, um, higher power, any characteristic of higher power. So my higher power is good. My higher power is strong. My higher power got me sober. And then pretty soon I'm back worrying again, right? Yep. Because my mind is undisciplined. So as soon as I notice I'm mm-hmm. back worrying, I just switch it back over to the thinking of more characteristics about God or adding to my gratitude list. So today um, I'm well fed. I've got a wonderful home. Oh, oh shit. What am I going to do about that job? It's horrible. There's my worry thought. I notice my worry thought, right. switch it back. Now, I have been known to have to switch that thought a hundred times in two minutes. Okay? But I, by doing that, I am retraining my mind. No, I sometimes sabotage myself. Uh, I just, for some reason, uh, I don't know why. I just, it's kind of a masochistic thing. And every time I feel that way, I said to, I say to myself, don't hit the bus. And what I mean by that is when I'm driving, I don't purposely go and try to hit the bus and, yeah. and wreck things. And so I'm saying to my mind, do not hit the bus. You're, you're hitting the bus right. on purpose. And, and it's probably something behind that, but who, who knows what it is. But it seems mm-hmm. to help me when I, I just say, Bob, don't hit the bus. Oh, that's clever. <laughs> it's sort of like yeah. what you said about cutting. Um, you know, when we yeah. drink, we cut ourselves. We cut our spirit. We cut yeah. our best self. We don't, we don't ever drive our best self away. We just cover it up with shit, with our negative thinking and actions and fears and stress. But it's like saying, okay, I'm noticing that I'm kind of cutting myself with my thinking. I'm scaring myself. Yeah. Now I'm going to think about something else. And I, I use this technique often. And um, I found the other day that if I had, I stayed on the same topic, like gratitude, but I had to think of a different thing every time I had to switch my thought. If I tried to repeat the same thing again and again, all is well. Okay, oh, I'm worrying, all is well. That works too, but sometimes all is well becomes so automatic that I can worry and still say all is well, all is well. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway. I um, certainly, um, yeah, it's, I, I find that a long podcast tends not to be listened to, uh, but you know what? If, if you're willing, uh, I, I can get more time to read your book and maybe have a part two if you want to do that. I would love to. I yeah. would love to. Because you know what you're doing that very few of the podcasts I've done have done is you're asking me for specific tools and explaining how they work. Whereas other podcasts want to know the history of the addiction and how I worked the 12 step program and so on. Oh, which, it's, it's always the same story. Which, yeah. which is essential. I mean, addiction. Yeah. And that is essential for my growth. I could not have gotten anywhere without getting sober first because that's the right, ultimate right. cut, right? Anyway, right, I would love to right. do that. Yeah, I'll I'll send you the links in an email. All right. You, you go ahead and, and announce any website or, or book that you yeah. want to? Sure. I mean, not book. Um, <laughs> sure. You, you okay, gotta, so do you have another wait. book or is this the only book? <laughs> I created a workbook that goes with it, um, okay. but I'm not, I'm not really, I'm just, I don't see myself writing another book. I have a um, okay. 
So my website is G-I-G-I Langer, L-A-N-G-E-R dot com. And on there, you'll find my blog, which I have a lot of posts. Um, I also have uh, a newsletter that you can sign up for just monthly. And then that includes the links to all the blogs and some new material and sometimes offers on my, uh, I have a, you know, a, a book that I can mail to people personally signed in the U.S. Um, and that's a very low price, like $13. Okay. Uh, but you can also get the ebook and the audio book online at Amazon or any place that sells them. Okay. I also have a fa- Facebook um, page, GG Langer Author. <laughs> And I do a lot with Facebook. And in the last couple of months, I've done a lot more with Twitter, which is GG underscore Langer. Yeah, that sounds um, great. Yeah. Uh, and if I, you, you send know, me those, I'll put them up in the episode in a couple of days. Yeah. Um, okay. You've great. been a super, super guest. And, and oh, thanks. Oh, thank you. And thank you for being on the show. And have a good night. If you apply... Because some of these techniques we talked about today, I think we will worry less. And there are 45 more ways in the book. Remember to go to Amazon, pick it up right away. It's only 7 bucks in a Kindle form. It's called 50 Ways to Worry Less, now by Dr. Gigi Langer. I'll have a link in the episode notes. Well, next week is the big week. We had a much-anticipated interview with Brett Stevens' mother and girlfriend. That should be great. We had a, gr- a great response for crossover one and two. Except you guys have to try some of my other episodes. If you don't like them, let me know what I can do to improve. I would really appreciate feedback, good or bad. I know I don't have the best voice or great equipment, but there's a lot of info in these episodes. So throw me a bone. Anyway, if you have a question, recommendation, or information, please email me at overtherainbowbob at gmail.com or follow my many Twitter followers at overtherainonebow. That's overtherainonebow. So Saturday, looks, look for the interview with Brett's mother and girlfriend. It will probably be the best of them all. And exciting news, we have a new name. We're Over the Rainbow Mental Health for Real. So Saturday, looks, look for the interview. And uh, everybody, enjoy your podcasting. And we'll see you on Saturday. Take care.